Welcome to Because You Need to Know. I am Edwin K. Morse, President and Founder of Pioneer Knowledge Services. This series is your digital resource of valuable conversations with nonprofit and knowledge management enthusiasts from across industries and from around the globe. Welcome again to the third and final episode featuring senior expert for corporate knowledge management and the lead of the European Space Agency's Lessons Learned team, Andrew Hurd. Well, we're on to this third episode around lessons learned, and I've got to say I've got a hard lesson learned in working lessons learned, but I'm interested to hear what you've got, Andrew, and how your organization got to a point of actually deploying and using the learned lessons. Well, uh, I think it came from almost the last question from the previous uh, podcast, and that was, how do we make knowledge capture simple? How do we make it such that it actually takes as least time as possible? And the word that I use often in the, the world of knowledge management at the European Space Agency is the word effective. If we're going to spend time doing something, it must have the right result. If we are driven by time, then we will not necessarily assure the result. We might have done some good work, but we might not have got it to a conclusion where it's actually useful work and can go on to be processed. So this was the application of lessons learned. And the basic concept was that we were going to capture lessons very simply in the initial instance. But then as we process the lesson through the system, we add more what we call metadata, more information, more data to it, because the experts mm. who then touch the lesson, who have more time, but they are fewer people, they provide greater technical depth. What we also did was we made sure that at the end of the process, there was actions for learning. And I talked about this in the other podcasts where we make sure that the learning is embedded. So we do that by updating our processes, by updating our documents, and by updating our training. Mm. And we have a simple uh, summary of what we're trying to do. Process, is the process correct? Secondly, product. Is the product that records the process correct? In other words, does it reflect the process as it's being implemented? Does it? Can you give me an example of what you're saying there? Okay, um, so I can talk about two aspects. Uh, let's talk about uh, a set of requirements and let's talk about a checklist. Okay. okay? So before we have our contract uh, signed, we have certain boards and panels that sit to make sure everything's in place. And one of the things they use to make sure that certain aspects are covered in that board is a checklist. Okay. What a lesson might do is a lesson might add another check in the checklist so that systematically, whenever a contract runs through that board, they say, aha, then one recently that was, that was checked was to do with space debris. So in that checklist, space debris is a very important thing. There is a point that says, okay, have you considered mm. space debris? And if so, okay. have you considered this particular internal policy to do with that? So what we've then done is we've taken some learning from a particular project. It's run through the system and the process owner who didn't know about the project and didn't know about that particular experience then becomes actioned to test if their checklist needs to be updated. So you're talking about a full integration. Absolutely. End to end. And I think that's where a lot of lessons learned kind of run out of gas 
is that in order for a lesson learned to be by definition a lesson learned, it has to be back integrated into the organization or organism the observation or instance was observed or captured from. As much as possible, yes. That's the key. Yeah, right. And, and, and then you've got to track it. I, ideally, I would think there's a life cycle to that because once it's adopted, then you've got to see if it changed anything or if it made things worse, right? Is Absolutely. there a... Is there a follow-up? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, one of the things that uh, we try to encourage people is that the lessons learned process, it has a certain amount of investment in it. So an individual or a team capture their lessons. The line manager, project manager of that activity validates it. We then have a board, which is about 15 people. They evaluate it and we set actions and the process owner then updates the, or considers the recommendation to update their process or even create a new one. Mm, okay? okay. But what we're trying to do is to encourage people is that if they know directly what the outcome is going to be, you don't need the lessons learned process. So basically what I'm saying is that if the process owner runs the process, and typically they do, they will get feedback directly. So ultimately we're trying to make sure that we short circuit this uh, process where it's appropriate. However, clearly what we're finding within the lessons is that there are some processes or some products that don't exist yet, or they're not formalized yet. Mm. And that's part of the real benefit, I think, where we want systematic process, where we want repeatable process. And that's what lessons learned is about. Lessons learned is what am I going to repeat probably over and over again, and therefore incur the, the costs, if you want to say, because we didn't adopt mm -hmm. it, or indeed we didn't make benefit of the gains that could have been made from this experience, and we want to repeat it and therefore create the gains. So there are those two sides, and clearly what we want to do is to create systematic change, so we want to use existing process products, but if there are not, we do actually create some local resources within, we have a web portal. So within the web portal, we create collections of lessons that we call eBooks. Now they're rather simple eBooks and we're looking at exploring how we can make it more of a simple but synergistic tool to the user. In other words, what does the user actually want to use rather than mm -hmm. fields of data? How do they yes. want to receive it? Should it be in a wiki? Should it be in a training manual? Should it be in a handbook? Indeed, should it be in a checklist itself? And part of yeah. one of the automatic parts of the system we've got actually does create checklists based on the temporal aspects, which review you in, when does that review occur within a project, and therefore when should you apply that lesson. So who owns this? Who owns lessons learned? Uh, it's an ESA function. We have a nice, I, I think, a nice phrase, which is one ESA. Hmm. So this is basically saying that whilst we have 11 directorates and they all have their own identity, which I personally believe is important to those directorates because they do different work. Mm -hmm. So they attract different types of people mm -hmm. who work different ways. We also have geographical locations that are different throughout Europe. Okay, So they need their own personality. Each directorate needs its own personality, but you need some generic corporate capabilities to enable those individuals to do it. Clearly, if we have 11 different ways of doing lessons learned, it's rather ineffective. And what we find commonly is the lessons from our projects and activities can be learned across the directorates. Yeah. So you need that synergy. So we have a common template, a very simple template. We've taken it from external uh, 
uh, entities that run lessons learned, for instance, you talked about the military, they run, for instance, after action mm -hmm. reviews. This is where you repeat an action maybe almost daily. And you could say that our, let's say, space flight operations is very similar to that, where you might repeat operations daily. And therefore, you want to learn and you'll have end of operations whiteboard where you go and mark on the whiteboard how this procedure went, what needs doing. On the International Space Station side, it's a little bit more complicated, I think, because you've got humans in the loop and therefore you have certain flight rules and you need to understand what went well, what didn't go well. And so the next team brings it up. That sort of after operations review, if you like, is a daily or a weekly thing. We have other cycles and our cycles tend to be much longer. Uh, they tend to be associated with the different phases of a project, the requirements gathering as a whole phase, which can be at least a few years. Then you have design, build, test, and uh, integration, and that may take five years, say. And then you have a very short period of about six months where you go to the launch site, and then you integrate on the launch vehicle, and then you have the launch and early commissioning, and that can take six months to a year, say. So it's a long period, but that's how we've broken up to make those chunks. Mm. Clearly, the different type of temporal aspect, the longer the period, then you have to be make sure that knowledge is kept over that period of time. And that was one of the disadvantages of the previous approach or informal approach where projects used to capture their lessons at the end of the project. And that meant they were people, individuals are having to remember over, say, a decade. Oh my. And that's, that's rather challenging. Yeah, I can't even imagine, let alone the people that have exited the program over time, you've lost. Waiting to the end, some of the, the places I see that mentality exist in that wait to the end is the exit interview wait until they retire or wait until they're like given their two weeks notice to care what they know or what, you know, it's, it's like, well, it's a little too late at that point. Uh, you're losing the effect. Yeah. I think within the, the space agency, the policy before, which was a very good policy was that you invest in your people and your people are your knowledge asset. Mm. And that wor have worked really, really well. However, the <laughs> systems we've got, for knowledge exchange now are under pressure. They're under massive stress because clearly as with any organization, we're doing more work mm. and now we have the retirement wave. So those experts are under a lot of pressure and we know that. And then add remote working COVID to that, then it is extremely, extremely difficult. We have to do things really sympathetically. And that's really where we went, not only into the lessons learned process itself, but the capture means. So the capture means we basically do in half a day. Uh, we do it uh, over the internet. So we, we used to do it a day. And we had something called the concurrent design facility, which is a great facility, which has got about 30 workstations, screens all around the room. And you can really immerse people in the project, mm. the language, the protocol, the design. We have models spinning around. So it's a really immersive environment and it just triggers memory really well. For the e-means, it's interesting because it's actually easier for people to be in the meeting, we find, rather than being a physical meeting. They can be in an e-meeting. So we get more people. We get the same number of lessons in each session. Mm. And uh, the level is good. But the important thing is that the investment by the project is kept to half a day. We do capture in half a day and then they know they're done. And the biggest message, and we talk about commitment, the biggest message we send to them is, if you give us half a day, we will assure that your lessons 
are evaluated, they will create an action for learning, and that learning will be embedded within the organization. And they're now starting to see that. And I think they're starting to have some really good belief in the system and trust in the system that if they invest their time, and to be really clear, they want to, they are good engineers. They want to invest their time mm. and they want to see an outcome from it. If you were going to give advice to anyone that wanted to create a lessons learned program, what would be the three things they have to do? Gosh, okay. Well, I think uh, there's, there's the theoretical model that says, People process technology. So if I was if I was going to be spout theory, I was going to I would say those things, but ultimately it comes down to people. People are hugely enabled with a proper tool these days. There has to be a tool, and you really need a common process. So the reality is there, but it's a very big but. Mm -hmm. Those three elements play a varying role within the individual, within the unit, and within the organization. What do I mean by that? An organization must see that there's a process because they will want to link motivation to that process. Mm. They'll want to link policy. They'll want to link reward. They'll want to link recognition. All of those things they will need in order to justify the resources going to it. Okay? So you need the process. The individual will need a tool because they want something simple, repetitive, yeah. and it also they want something that they can go to to capture, but also go to to retrieve. However, really important, it will be a new tool. It will be yet another tool. And I know uh, ESA, the European Space Agency, is not alone in that organization suffering from tool overload. Yeah. We, we understand that. And that's why we get the last part that says embed as much as possible. What you are not doing is creating a knowledge repository within your portal, but get the knowledge in the products that you normally use. If you create a new product, then it has to replace something else rather than be complementary to it. And you bring up a really good point because the adoption of an organizational or institutional tool is one thing, but I know classifications is probably part of your paradigm, but what I'm saying is, is that there's probably teams that always have a workaround. Oh, we use WhatsApp or I use uh, Slack or, you know, things that are outside the firewall that shouldn't be used. How do you keep an eye on that for the tools? And I know we're off topic here, but I'm just curious. Okay. So we really tried to go uh, down a, a single tool route and a tool that was already used. Okay. It may not be the best tool, but we <laughs> but took that we we took we took that route. Okay. Uh, we understand that there are other aspects, other other ways of doing things. But at the moment, we're trying to just say if it feeds into, in other words, if the data that you're collecting somehow feeds into our system, we've mm -hmm. recently imported some lessons from another system, um, and that worked very, very well. Uh, so as long as there is some synergy, and the reality is that uh, we, as, as individuals, we know this. This is something that I stress within, within lessons learned. We know of the topics. But as an organization, we have not learned. So if they need to use whatever, WhatsApp, or they need to use other tools to create an in-the-moment uh, lesson, okay, fine. They may write an email. They might write a little technical note. But ultimately, we need it in the tool. In the and so two activities we've been doing at the moment, one is to make sure we capture lessons from current projects, mm. but also reach back to previous projects and pull in any and all lessons learned reports in whatever form they are 
spreadsheets, Word documents, PowerPoint presentations, and just put them in a library. So now in the tool, we have both the database, mm. but we also have a library. And the future for Lessons Learned at ESA is to create some data mining capabilities to go into those previous reports so that when you query the portal, you also query these other reports. So like I say, we are getting there. Each user will bring their own story. They'll bring their own user needs, and they'll probably want the data displayed in a unique way. But we're right. trying, and we're moving in a very positive direction, I think. Well, that's awesome. I love the energy and the, the vision that you're presenting because uh, it is empowering to the future. Well, thank you. Uh, we, we hope we are, let's say, not leading the thought, but we are one of the thought leaders in this area. We obviously take it very seriously, but also... Uh, a new phrase, I would say, for us is user experience. Mm -hmm. we, we are really trying to make sure that the users that are within the system have the positive experience and they see the benefits of their, mm -hmm. of their activity. And I think it just comes to a sort of fundamental need. We, we all really want to produce things, particularly as engineers. So, and we really are engineers at the heart. So you know, we want to apply our skills, we want to develop, we want to learn, but we want to see something good coming out of it at the end. Well, and it also sounds like you're just bringing engineering into the idea of knowledge handling. There are many ways of describing it, many different labels. We are, I think we're just fortunate in terms of what we're able to do and the situation we find ourselves in. Mm -hmm. So, and we're looking forward to uh, expanding this work that we're doing, increasing the benefit across the agency. And it will also be interesting transitioning out of uh, remote working and see uh, that we hopefully should move into a more effective mm -hmm. zone, let's say, a working way, way of working uh, when we are back in the office working face-to-face. -face. And I very much look forward to that. Is the organization looking at developing more of a hybrid model now for employment opportunities, or is it all going to be butts and seats again? I mean, something that I, I hear, I mean, I talk to people regularly, um, is that they do want to get back into into how we, the way we used to work. I mean, there is a reason that for many hundreds of years, we have a workplace <laughs> and it's not in the home place. So it, it all depends your personal uh, situation. Some people working at home is, is very, very challenging. For others, uh, actually, it's a gift. I think uh, ESA is actually developing more and more flexible ways of working. And in fact, we recently had a, a task force mm. to look at this, to say, yes, we need to do some serious response to uh, remote working and make sure people are supported properly. But also, how do we look into the transition into coming back to work? And what does that now mean? Clearly, in the organization, we have taken steps that before the crisis, we would never have been able to implement or even consider but it's not free. Uh, working remotely is, is not free. Uh, it is hugely challenging, uh, not only for the experts, let's call them that, who know what to do, and therefore they can just get on and do it and the, the workload doesn't stop, but also those new people coming, mm. you know, maybe not knowing who their colleagues are, have not actually ever sat in an office, don't know what it's like to be part of a group or a team. They simply know a camera and a, and a computer screen. And that's a different experience, it's a different way of working. That's true. So we, we will support them through that. And we're hoping that the connectivity that we're making through certain tools, through lessons learned, where it's an ability to capture experience and share it, that that will help them. And they will soon be able to reach into that uh, and benefit from it, even if they can't meet the, the expert 
uh, or indeed be there whilst the expert is in the agency, but actually pull that up afterwards and then benefit from it. Well, everything you're telling me is exciting to hear. I want to hear what the future brings for the organization and what you're doing. Uh, I'd love to have you back because I see that artificial intelligence is going to have to be the next chapter of what you're getting into with all this data. That is the next podcast. <laughs> yes, we are. We are looking at applying artificial intelligence into machine learning, mm. data mining, into lessons learned so that we can increase the effectivity and the impact of the lesson capture, but also the retrieval. Mm -hmm. And if that works, then we may expand it to other areas of knowledge capture. But, That's uh, exciting. Yeah, look forward to it. All right, it. thank you, Andrew. You have a great rest of the uh, It's day. been a pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. Because You Need to Know is designed to bring people's experience and their knowledge forward to be shared. I'm Edwin K. Morris, and I thank you for joining in to listen to another conversation brought to you as a public service of Pioneer Knowledge Services, a nonprofit tax exempt organization with a charitable knowledge management purpose. Find us online at pioneer ks.org and add your voice to the conversation on Facebook.